Welcome to Ninja Lab. I'm Alex Cunningham. And I'm Chris Wachewski, your host for this uh, this podcast. I see how it is. A uh, really exciting episode last week we had with the first NNL champion, Jeff Britton. Yeah, it was so cool having him on here and having him talk about all of the, all of his different training insight. Uh, it, it was just really great knowledge to have. He certainly has a lot going on in the uh, ninja community nowadays. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, please do that. But this week, very excited to have a good friend of mine, Michelle Warnke. Yeah, it's so great having Michelle come on and talk to us about all the different things that she has going Because she has so much going on in the ninja community. Uh, I think it's really going to be great to hear her insight in different areas. Certainly as both a gym owner and as one of the top women in the sport. Yeah, she has a very unique role because she's both a leader in the sport in terms of progressing it to that next level, but she's also an unbelievably talented athlete. Yeah, so it's going to be a really exciting interview. Let's hop right to it. All right, so today we have with us uh, Michelle Warnke. She's done great in past NNL events. Uh, she's been at all three of our finals. Uh, Michelle, why don't you say hi to everyone? Hey, how's it going? How you doing, Michelle? I am doing well. It is good to be here. So you've competed in a ton of NNL qualifiers, finals, events uh, over the you know the course of your career. Uh, yeah. What's been your overall experience with them? I really enjoy them. I think it's a really great opportunity to get to compete outside of the show. And it's also just a great opportunity to see friends. Um, what I love, too, is each event is different. You know, each gym kind of has their own spin on how they do competitions. And so, you know, we kind of get used to the rhythm of how the show course feels. But when you go to an NNL, one NNL is going to feel totally different than another one. And so you get to really challenge yourself in different ways. Um, and, of course, it's just a big reunion of everyone. Yeah, that's great. So. Do you feel like the uh, – how do you feel the NNL courses uh, test your abilities as an athlete? You said there's so many different courses. Uh, do you think that helps you know, figure out your range of skills? Yeah, I think it does. And I think um, – I know I was just thinking actually to the past when – like before NNL existed, it used to be, you know, eight months or whatever between – the end of ninja season and then the start of ninja season and so it's been really cool to now have this year-round thing where you can continue your training continue testing yourself continuing like to find out what your weak areas are what your strong areas are and so for me I really enjoy being pushed I love seeing more and more women coming out which has been awesome and I constantly remember back to you know, my first events where there'd maybe be one female, but she wouldn't want to compete um, because it'd be like 20, 30 other guys. And so it's awesome having all these other females and just being pushed and encouraged by them. And, you know, anything can happen. And so for me at NNLs, I mean, it is a little more chill. I'm not as nervous. Um, generally, I'm not specifically training for the NNL. I'm actually usually training for obstacle course races at the time. And so it's a good way to see what's my baseline that I need to work up from, what what are the basic skills that I have, and what are the basic skills I need to work on more. Definitely. Now, we have your track record here uh, with, the, with the NNL, uh, particularly at finals. 
Alex, you want to uh, you, you want to inform her how she's done over the uh, the three years? <laughs> sure. I, I it's an upward oh, trajectory. I know, but it's go an for upward it. trajectory. Don't worry about it. So um, <laughs> you came in thirty sixth for the women in the regular season, and that's out of I don't know how, exactly how many women competed, but I know that's there were about one hundred twenty qualifiers. So it's definitely impressive to be in the top third. I. I was actually there when you won the Iron Grip qualifier. Well, I think there's actually an important thing to note about being, uh, you know, top 36. Uh, because of where Michelle's located, Michelle, you, in the past, you haven't seen a ton of NNL comps, have you? Because there haven't been as many gyms near you. Yeah, well, and I generally, just because of my schedule, I'll maybe make it to one. I pretty much do one at least to qualify, and then that's, I mainly just try to get at least one NNL in. And then if I get to do more, it's icing on the cake. So, so being top third with only competing in a few is, uh, is quite impressive, um, which is a nice segue question. What do you think of the new regional format uh, with the NNL that will allow for more comps in your area? Yeah, I know myself and a ton of others are very excited about it. I've already you know, told a lot of our crew and they're like, oh, sweet, this is going to be great. So a lot of a lot of our people that travel, I mean, they would travel 8, 10, 12, 15 hours to get to a comp. So to be able to go to a comp that's only, you know, one to three hours away is huge. And so to have that opportunity to compete a lot more is going to be so beneficial for them and for myself. So do you think with more comps in your area, we can expect to see you uh, improve on that ranking from 36 up, up closer <laughs> to the top? Possibly. I think... It's funny because there's just so many different things I have my hands in. And so I don't fully do any of them. <laughs> so, like, I do enough OCR races to make it to the world championships. And then I do enough NNLs to make it to the finals. Um, so, Alex, what she's basically telling that. us is she <laughs> she can place in the top third without even trying. This, right. is, this is like a part-time <laughs> gig for her. <laughs> No, I still try. <laughs> well, let's talk about your your finals experiences because I feel like the finals is uh, definitely a much tougher tougher uh, you know venue arena because you you do have that one shot and then like when it's done, the season's over for NNL. Uh, right. Let's let's talk about how you've done there. <laughs> so um, in the first season, uh, Chris decided to have a quad steps into a jump hang. Whoa, whoa, don't throw me under the bus here. The, the I, obstacle you, was the obstacle. you you designed it. I, I'm just saying facts here. <laughs> I stated facts. Oh, the viewers uh, are going to hate me on my own podcast. Love it. <laughs> but, I did uh, hear though, that someone made a comment that it, the jump on the trampoline was too close and that they encouraged it to be moved back farther, which might have affected it as well. <laughs> it's possible, possible that I factored in. Anyway, let's talk about your actual performance, though, that season. Right, right, right. Yep. Because I, I, I personally know, um, I, I know that there were other outside factors. Um, do you want to talk about that experience? My first NNL final? Your yeah. first NNL finals. So, coming in, honestly, I was, like, terribly sick. I actually had some ninjas blame me afterwards for getting, like, a really, really bad... Flew I was or... I was one of those ninjas. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so honestly, I don't remember a lot of it because I was pretty miserable <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, but it was just kind of I was there, you know, seeing people, but I was just trying to <laughs> trying to stay alive. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I just did the quad steps and did the trampoline jump. That it was I've never done like a crooked trampoline yeah. jump at that point and just totally messed it up. So it was like, okay, well, I definitely need. I mean, I already knew I needed to be more consistent with trampolines, but it was like, okay, I've never practiced a you know an interesting angle into the trampoline so that's something else i need to add to my list <laughs> along with a lot of other females that fell there <laughs> yeah i mean it was definitely a tough obstacle um for all athletes uh especially the the females that year because it was such a new thing that they haven't uh well people in general haven't been practicing um, yeah. i kind of want to go back for a second and talk about like you know you're sick it was an obstacle that you hadn't practiced before and how does that affect your your mental game being involved in a sport where it's like it's one shot and it's done and a lot of times you're facing something new that you might not have practiced for or maybe today's not your best day it's how do you handle that mentally and continue to go out and tackle you know obstacles every year right no it was definitely rough and i know especially that year um there hadn't been like lebrec and Alyssa and all of them hadn't yet competed on the show and so I came in as one of the known, one of the most known females probably outside of people from the NNL. Because I remember hearing people talk about like, wow, LeBrec and Alyssa have been doing really well in all these local comps, which was like, awesome, cool. Um, you know, Jesse Graff wasn't there, Casey wasn't there, Megan wasn't there. So I came in as one of the more known females and people had super high expectations. And I remember I don't, I'm one of those people, like, I don't want to give excuses, and so I was trying really hard not to let people know how miserable I felt, but at the same time, like, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, man, we can't wait to see you run, blah, blah, and, like, I knew the first obstacle looked difficult, so it was kind of like, yeah, we'll see, <laughs> you know, I, so for myself, I didn't honestly care that much that year, um, but I know a lot of other people were like, whoa, well, I feel better because Michelle went down there. It was like, well, <laughs> I'm glad that helps you guys at least because <laughs> that doesn't make me feel great. But, um, I, you know, that's the cool thing about ninjas. Any ninja can go down anywhere. And I think that's one thing that people so often talk about the ninja community and how great it is. And I honestly think that's one of the biggest factors that makes the, the ninja community so good is we've all fallen, we've all done either a stupid mistake or a small little mistake or a misjudgment. So every single ninja knows how that feels and you can relate to each other, help encourage each other when you go through that. And and it also, you know, keeps us all humble. Like we all mess up. So um I think so that's yeah, so, that it's so perfectly with, said. It's uh it's humbling and I think it helps to know that we've all been there. Every one of us has gone down sooner than we wanted to. Uh, yeah. And it's just part of the game that we're, <laughs> we're participating in. Right. Now, that being said, though, you, you kind of um, you bounce back a little as you uh, watch the NNL seasons go on. So, um, Alex, let's jump ahead to, uh, to this past season. Talk about how she did there. Sure. So this, uh, this past season, you came in fourth place all the way to the end of the uh, first stage. Actually, I did some yeah. research, and only one woman had got to the last obstacle of the first stage in the first two seasons of finals. And in this season, there were six that got to the last obstacle. So I was very impressed by all you guys getting that far. Thanks. Do I you feel that, like I the level of competition? 
I, I mean, I think I think some of it's the course played a little like it worked better for a lot of us. Um, the, you know, the time oh, limit so worked. You, so you don't think the the level of competition has stepped up? You thought it was just a, a better course? Not necessarily better course. I think it was just a more doable course for females. Because, yeah, I feel like, I mean, I feel like we all had, I mean, we do get better, but at the same time, like, I feel like we had similar abilities the previous two years. It just never came together. And um, the course in general this past year was, you know, as long as you keep moving and are efficient, um, none of the obstacles were too challenging um, in the first course, but it was like, hey, you got to keep moving. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's just, again, my takeaway of it. Just the court, like if you had shown me all three courses my first year, I would have picked that course as being the course that I would have done better on the whole time as well. So if you went back in time with your skills now and ran that NNL season one course, how would you do? I don't know. Um, I think I would do better. But I still don't love trampolines. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think I have got, I mean, I've put in enough hours. I would hope I'm better at them now. Um, but I still just don't like them. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, that's what, that's what made me um, time out or, you know, not make it through stage one, most likely this past year was I didn't trust my trampoline ability like a lot of the girls to do a swing into the tramp. So I did the safe move where you stop on the tramp, build your bounce, and then go from there. So it worked. So I made it farther than a lot of people who took the more risky route. But then at the same time, that also spent a lot of time. And what's funny, actually, this past year during stage one, I thought I timed out. And I found out later I didn't time out. That was the beginning of my 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, no. oh. So, so I like, if you watch my video, you'll see me pretty much not really commit to my second swing. That's because I thought my time was done. <laughs> oh, well, that's a, that's a little bit alarming. Uh, do you think, <laughs> had you realized that, you know, it was the 10 second time or do you think the result would have been different? I don't think so. Cause I still don't know that I would have, I like, Based on watching other people's runs, the the amount because I missed the warped wall, I was too confident in being able to do the warped wall without a little bit more run up. Um, because of having to do a second run up on the warped wall, I think I did not leave myself enough time. Regardless, even if I had been efficient on the last obstacle, but it's one of those you never know. Um, I had heard, I think I heard someone say a time right before the balance and so I thought I had way less time than I did and so I kind of like freaked out I'm like oh I gotta go I gotta go and so I started like rushing and I was like I have no time to run up on the warp wall I'm just gonna sprint to the wall well then, I feel like there's uh we see a lot of athletes that actually run with uh with headphones in because they say that listening uh -huh. to the crowd distracts them uh, it does do you feel like you feel like you would have done better had you not been able to hear what the crowd was saying I think I I think I would have taken an extra step on the wall. Probably wouldn't have missed the wall first try. Would have had more time on the last one. But again, that's all guessing. I just know I freaked out when I heard that time amount because I was like, "That's not enough time." I've been watching, you know, where you need to be at what time, and that's not enough. And then when I watched my video later, I found out that that wasn't an accurate time. So. Yeah. 
now do you again, know no. um, talking about the the mist wall fail the mist the wall was the obstacle uh basically directly before the um the, the final laches and yeah. uh do you know how close you were to uh placing in the, like uh getting podium like how many seconds away you were um i don't well you, you were yeah do you want to know <laughs> sure sure <laughs> Okay, I'll say it. You were four seconds behind Tiana for third place, and five seconds behind uh, Lindsay Eskildson for second place. Nice, yeah. Yeah, so had you not missed the wall, um, there's a good chance that you would have uh, hit the podium. (laughs) Thanks. Potentially potentially (laughs) even had time to to finish the course. Yeah, yep. Yeah, but the cool thing is, like, we learn from those things, and like we always do. The I was gonna well, ask, what's what's happen. the takeaway here? Are are we gonna see you running NNL courses with headphones in from <laughs> now on? <laughs> um, no, I because I don't do a lot of things with headphones. I think they just get in my way and bother me. <laughs> um, but I think I like for that one. I I have learned that there can be times where I just like freak out or freeze of like, oh no, I gotta do this. And so, like, just staying calm, regardless of, like, okay, it seems like I have less time. Granted, I might have still gone for the no run-up on the wall, but I definitely went for it because of knowing I didn't have enough time. So it's like, I don't know what I would have done if I thought I had more time. You know, it is helpful to know your time if it's an accurate time. Um, And I might have just misheard, too. You know, it might have been the correct time, and I just didn't hear it right. So I think just staying focused, staying calm, and not having those little like freak out moments of, Oh, you gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Staying calm is crucial. Well, I, I love talking about everything you've done on the course, but I actually kind of want to talk about uh, all the stuff that you do off the course. Uh, Cause I, I mean, you're a leader in the sport. Uh, you, you do a whole bunch for the community and you're, you're really turning this into more of a sport. Um, so I, I want to talk to you a little bit about like, uh, you know, uh, essentially your role with, uh, with, with MLab and owning a gym, what's it like? Uh, cause I feel like there's a, you know, being a gym owner and, you know, working with you, like, I know that there's a little bit of a misconception to like what goes into being a gym owner. <laughs> right? I know it cracks me up when kids are like, wow, you own a gym. You must play all day. <laughs> I, I would, I would. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why Alex doesn't own a gym yet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Until he realizes how much work is actually involved. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, yeah like, that's, tell us I what mean, it's like. Yeah, um, that's definitely like, it's one of those things where, um, I mean, and you and I have talked about this, Chris, but it's like, initially I was like, God, I don't really want to do this because <laughs> I know it's going to be hard and like, I'd rather just focus on competing. Um, but it's one of those things where, this is obviously where I'm supposed to be. And I was telling Matt and Akbar, like, I care more about my gym than I do Ninja Warrior. And, like, the people at our gym and just building up that group and that community, helping them achieve their dreams, that just means so much to me. And it's a really cool way to, you know, serve people and give back to them. And so it's been a crazy ride you know you learn so much and you have you know you might think you have an idea going into it but you just are constantly learning and um you know being challenged all the time I know for myself one of the challenges has been you know before owning a gym I would I would 
go anywhere and I just like, oh, I just want to play. Like, you know, I want to play on these obstacles. Now, anytime I'm at my gym, I'll like start a workout and then I'll be like, oh, this didn't get picked up or, oh, I need to clean this a little bit or, oh, let me do this. And I have to like constantly, Michelle, you're working out right now. You're not working. <laughs> and, um, you know, so that's been a challenge to kind of keep those separate um, and actually enjoy the gym myself too. You know, even when no one else is around, I still just have that natural tendency to like notice all the things that need to be done or changed or whatever. Um, just a never ending list. So that's been, and then even going to other gyms, I'm just more quickly to notice, you know, Hey, what does this gym owner need? Or like, how can I help with these people? Like, I don't really feel like playing as much when I visit other gyms. It's more about like helping them with their job because I know it's not easy. <laughs> so, do you ever find time to just you know shut off the the gym gym owner Michelle Warnke and get get actual training in? And, and if you do, how do you do it? Honestly, one of the best things for me to be able to totally get away from work is running. That to me is a huge stress relief, and running is just what I did for ten years, and so that's that's a huge thing. But then also what I've done more recently is I'll just stay at the gym after everyone else is gone and just turn the music up. You know, our neighbors aren't around so that it doesn't won't matter for them. And then just like hit whatever I need to hit really hard. And I just a lot of times, honestly, if I start to go the work route, my I'll just be like, Michelle, stop. You have to work out right now. <laughs> so that's helped to just work on building that those boundaries. So, Michelle, uh, one of your roles as a gym owner is to put together, you know, your annual NNL qualifier. And yeah. I want to sort of get your mindset on course design, because prior to the NNL, you know, courses were seven, eight, nine obstacles long. But we're seeing with NNL qualifiers that they're often 12, 15, and on the off occasion, 20 obstacles long. I know... One of your qualifiers was 20 obstacles. So since that's not really the traditional mindset before NNL came along, what kind of goes through your mind when you want to put together a course that flows nicely through all these obstacles? Yeah, a few things that we'll work on is one, like you said, flow, trying to make it so you're not just like sprinting across the gym back and forth to get to the next obstacle. You want to make it more of a flowy line to get to the next obstacle so it's not this huge dead space in between. Um, and then another huge thing is because it is you fall, you're done, we do want people to get to feel like they really got a piece of the course, even if they're not fully satisfied. So a lot of times we'll have the first few obstacles a little bit more doable um, and maybe not quite as challenging as some of the later ones. Just so that... You know, people will come and don't just fall on the first obstacle and get frustrated. Um, you know, there are still going to be people that fall on the first obstacle, but just limiting that. Um, and then ideally, as the course gets longer, only the best are going to keep making it farther and farther to the more difficult obstacles. Do you think that being as active as you are in OCR helps that? Because... I know that you do a lot of obstacle course racing. Do you think that sort of helps you with the mindset of building these longer courses? I think for me, the mindset is more because um, when I hosted events before NNL, sometimes you would do multiple stages at an event. Right. And so 
you would, you know, people would be on more obstacles over the course of several stages. And so the mindset here is just you're kind of making the first stage longer so that people who have the ability and the endurance to do that much still are challenged. Um, Because I like to see, okay, the best who are going to make it really far, how far can they really go that long um, on, you know, that challenging of obstacles. So I think that's kind of the mindset of just like, hey, let's push the limits and see. But I don't expect the average person to make it, you know, to the the 12th, 15th, 20th obstacle, I only expect a few. So in general, it's still a, a, you know, seven to 10 course uh, or seven to 10 obstacles in the course for most people. And, you know, plus or minus a few that get a lot more and a few that get less. So Michelle, uh, you talked a lot about, you know, best average. In your opinion, who is the best ninja in the world right now? Uh, so I, I'll answer it, but that's probably like my least favorite question. (laughs) Um, though it's, I think it's a better question to ask ninjas than just in general, anybody, because, you know, you you have a lot of insight. You understand the obstacles, you understand the athletes and you've seen them in action a lot more. Yeah. Um, I I would say as far as just consistency, and who seems to do well the most consistently, I would probably say Drew. Um, but I still feel like Ninja is a sport where there's never, I don't know, I don't ever feel like there's one top Ninja that no one can touch because Ninja is a sport that anyone can touch anyone. Anyone can beat anyone at any point. Well, Drew, Drew has kind of established himself now because he's, uh, he's won back-to-back NNL seasons. And yeah. uh, he, he's, you know, he's, he's developed a reputation for himself as, you know, being one of the best. Yeah. He, I feel like he has all the basics that you need for Ninja. You know, body awareness, efficiency, the ability to adjust on the fly, um, power, endurance, strength, all those things. So, I, yeah, I just feel like he's a very good total package. And I think there's a lot of ninjas that are. This is, so, this is like, amazing. Alex, we should just use Michelle to do the intro for Drew when Drew comes on. <laughs> we, we don't need to do anything that week. We can just have Michelle talk about him. I'm fine with that. <laughs> That's I, awesome. <laughs> you, you had mentioned that there weren't really, you know, one top ninja because any ninja could be any ninja on any given day. But you did yeah. seem to indicate that there were, you know, a few at the top. And I want to know... Do those few at the top seem to be, you know, the figureheads of the sport, the most visible people in the sport? And if not, why do you think that the more visible people in the sport are so different from the people who would be considered, you know, the top ninjas? Are we talking um, visible as far as NNL or visible as far as the show? In in terms of, like, popularity, because, like, in my opinion, some of the best athletes in the sport – don't necessarily have the followers to back it up on the social Agreed. media platforms. Agreed. And I think I think that's more just personality and like what like what does that person focus on? Um, and like are they trying to make income from it and all those things as well and like priorities and stuff. So yeah, I I mean I definitely would say I don't feel like followers has anything to do with who's the best ninja. Um I think it's just who's flashier, things like that. To me, 
the people that are the best ninjas are just the ones that are more consistently on top throughout any sort of competition. Um, so, and I mean, honestly, there's such a big, like to me, the top group of ninjas is, is a pretty decently large group. So I don't feel like I could just list off everyone that I think is a top ninja. Cause I'd leave someone out that I think is amazing. Of course. But, uh, we, we are going to ask you a t- <laughs> a t- oh, another tough question. <laughs> okay. We asked you who the, the top athlete in general in the sport is. <laughs> I and know. I haven't already guessed where this one is going. I, I already did. <laughs> <A long laughs> who is ago. the top female in the sport? Right. And that again, like, I I feel like the females, it's trickier because, I mean, on the show, one performance def- can define you. But, like, that can literally make your career if you have an amazing performance. Um Whereas, you know, I, I don't know. It's tricky because, like, Jesse Graff and Megan don't really ever do NNLs. So I've never really seen them compete on that level, that platform. So it's like I don't really know how to compare them. We've, with, seen, uh, we've seen both Jesse and Megan in um, select NNL events, uh, not, not as oh, many okay. as we'd like. Uh, and I, I believe Jesse has a uh, perfect record in terms of qualifying when she competes. She, you know, she podiums. Uh, yeah. And I believe the same uh, for Megan. And uh, Megan actually impressed me. Uh, she did a an event in Colorado, and uh, she got further than a lot of the male athletes uh, that I really respected in the course. Uh, nice. So she really showed off her skills um, at the NNL event, and I, I was personally really impressed with her ability. Right. Well, and what I would say is, for myself, when looking at the women, I don't feel like we've been in the sport long enough to necessarily say, hey, this one female um, blows everyone else out of the water. I feel like we have a solid group of five to ten female athletes that generally consistently do very well. And, you know, there could be a slip up at some time, maybe, but in general, they're very consistent. They're very strong. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, there's, you know, Jesse and Megan from the show are well known. And then there's LeBrec and Alyssa have both done really well. Barclay, I don't, I don't know if she's done NNL as much, but you know, on the show, she's done very well. Um, so I feel like, you know, there's kind of a group, and there's more, you know, but and there's new upcoming ladies that I'm really excited to see them compete more and more too. And so, like, I feel like we are so many years behind the guys because, you know, the guys have been doing this for ten years. A lot of the females have only been doing this a few years. And so I, I don't feel like we've, yeah, gotten to that point where, hey, this person's almost unbeatable or whatever. Like, I feel like any any ninja female can be beat by another ninja female depending on the course. So taking the very diplomatic approach and uh, not selecting <laughs> no, a job. That's like my honest thoughts because it's happened. Like every every female that I know of has been beaten by another top female at some point, whether it's NNL, whether it's another big competition, Texas Titan, Wolfpack, or Ninja Warrior. Every single female has been beaten by another female. So this is uh, th- this is a great segue. Um, 
it, so every every female has been beaten by another female. So then eventually somebody will probably emerge as you know one of one of the greatest. What is it going to take for that person to become that? Like, what type of training regimen? What type of dieting? Like, what are they going to need to do to push themselves to that next level? Like, what does that look like? How do you, how do you become the best female athlete in the world at Ninja? Right. I mean, probably you have to spend a lot of time. Like, I think you would have to spend a lot of time training it or doing things that help. Like, I know Jesse Graff, who is extremely talented. Um, I know she's told me her job as a stunt woman really helps train her for Ninja because it, she just is constantly on the fly, constantly like, they'll be like, Hey, adjust this, do this differently. She'll have to do it like 20 times, but differently. And so she is constantly adjusting. So her ability to adjust on the course is just so good. Um, so, I mean, whether it's doing a job that helps you get better at Ninja or just, really being focused like I think Barclay is essentially kind of like a professional ninja she makes I think she makes her living essentially from being it, a ninja. if she has another job I am unaware of it I feel like she is constantly traveling and just doing ninja stuff <laughs> yeah well and she has alpha warrior um at some, you know sometimes or whatever um so and I know that's been a struggle for me at times feeling like it's hard for me to keep up sometimes because I am more focused on the gym and actually, it was funny listening to um, Jesse talk on the Miami qualifiers. She uh, she shared, I don't know if it was on TV or just with me, but she had said, yeah, she didn't feel as prepared for Miami because she had been so focused on work. And it's like, that's how I have felt for, you know, since season five or six or, or probably six or seven. Um, so you think the, the top women that, that that will emerge will have to really solely focus on ninja training to really take it to the next level and become the you know the drew dreschel of the the woman's side for lack of better better phrasing <laughs> i think it's helpful i don't think it's totally necessary because i mean it's you know i i again i don't know that there necessarily has to emerge one top female because I honestly think a group of five to ten super solid females pushing each other is just as good, you know? And, like, um, and with Ninja being the sport it is, you know, like, Drew's amazing, but he's also been beat, too. And so, yes, a lot of people point to him as the best Ninja, but it's like, you know, he hasn't always been the top Ninja. So, I don't know. I, I, I just really struggle with calling anyone a top ninja. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it could be anybody or we could have multiple. Yeah. And it's beneficial, yes, if you don't have to have another job that you're focused on most of the time. But, you know, it's, you know, I've still had decent seasons with, you know, with the gym. Um, and like this year hitting the buzzer, you know, that, I don't know, like that could have happened any other year. It just didn't. Um, so I don't think that was affected by my work. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's, let's start diving into some of the, the training stuff. I, I think people will really want to hear from you about, you know, uh, how you train, how you diet, stuff of that nature. And yeah. Alex, you actually recently did one of our rec comps. So you, you are Michelle's somebody gym, no less. at Michelle's gym. So this, this is perfect. Like yeah, we're not biased at like, all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but perfect scenario, Alex, like what type of stuff were you looking for when you were getting into training? Like, do you have questions that you might want to ask Michelle that, that, you know, better your training that she might be able to answer? 
Right. Actually, that's a really good point because I have a playground at the end of my street and I was, you know, doing this one really tricky lache for a long time and I wasn't getting it and it was really burning me out. And then I thought, you know, I'm really not helping myself here. I should really be, you know, trying other things. So I want to know from Michelle, if I'm going to a playground, if, you know, I don't want to make the drive out to Columbus to, because it is, you know, I, I love coming out there, but I, I can't do it every day, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> right. and, and not everybody has access to ninja gyms. Like, right. you know, some people go to the playground, sure. some people go to a park. It's, you know, whatever you have. Right. So if I can't make it out to a ninja gym, like what kind of things, what kind of activities, what kind of skills should I be working on? For me, the biggest thing is figuring out where you're at first, because you can't really know where you need to go until you know where you're at. And so figuring out what is your baseline, where's your endurance at, where's your grip at, where's your power at, where's your trampoline skills at, where are your laches at. Um, so anywhere that you can practice any of those to kind of figure it out. I honestly really encourage beginners to do competitions because I feel like, one, you get that baseline of figuring out, okay, where am I at? And yes, it can be challenging and out of people's comfort zone to be new to a sport and go into a competition right away. But I also think it can be helpful to kind of see what other competitors can do and where you're at and also just watch people learn from them and, you know, talk to people, um, figure out, hey, I tried it this way. What did I do wrong? Um, so I honestly think that's one of the best ways to train is to do competitions. Um, but beyond that is once you figure out where you're at, working on building upon that. So, for example, for myself, I knew I wasn't good at trampolines. I had never been on it. Like, I think I had been on a trampoline once, maybe twice as a kid, ever. And so knowing that there was a lot of trampolines on the show, I actually spent my own money and bought a trampoline. <laughs> because to me, I saw value and that it was important enough to do that. Um, so sometimes people literally just build stuff at their house, um, whether that's buying a pull-up bar because you know you need to work on your upper body strength, um, whether that's going to a park and doing pull-ups. Body prop is another example of something I'm not good at naturally. I never did handstands. I, you know, I did gymnastics like for two seasons when I was super young, so nothing helpful. And uh, I, I'm terrible at anything that's more of a pushing. And so I've really been working on body prop, just finding walls and pushing against them or working on handstands, which in turn translates to that. So a big thing for me is just finding what are my weaknesses and making them better while also maintaining what you are good at. So, you know, I love rock climbing. I love upper body stuff. So I'm not going to neglect that. I still have to keep doing that. But you have to balance that with also working on, you know, trampoline stuff if you're not good at those. So I know that's kind of a complicated answer. But, yeah, basically figuring out your base and figuring out what do you need to work on. And then finding the best place to work on it, whether it's making it, building it, buying it, finding it at a park, or competing at a ninja gym. I feel like that's so spot on, Michelle, because I feel like whenever you're looking to you know, put together a training program, like there's a couple of phases. And phase one should always be like tests because you, you need to know where your skill level is. Yep. 
it before you start improving because how will you know whatever you did like whether or not it worked if you didn't know where you started like well, so you want to be able to go go back and check it against you know where you started to make sure that what you're doing is actually working right right and often i think people get discouraged when they're training and so they'll be like man like i've been putting on all these hours and it's not helping and that's a good time to go back and test yourself and then you'll see oh wow this actually has worked um you know Maybe so I'm how, not where I want to be, but I have improved. That's great. But like, um, how often do you think like, like Alex or uh, anybody that's training should go back and check? Like, do you think they should be checking, you, you know, like I hear they say like, you know, don't weigh yourself every day. Cause you'll, you'll never, you'll be disappointed. <laughs> like should right. Alex be checking his max, uh, max lache distance every day? No, we, I mean, generally we'll do stuff like once a month at the gym, just kind of see where they're at. Um, and, like, during our lab rat season, uh, our team that trains at the gym, we will do a test at the beginning of the season, at the end of the season, four months later. Um, so I think it kind of depends on, you know, one, where's your mentality? Like, are you feeling discouraged? If you're feeling discouraged, test yourself. See where you're at again. Um, if you're not feeling discouraged, just keep pushing yourself. And, you know, like, I don't feel like you need to test yourself that much, but at the same time, I feel like competitions can also be a test as well. You know, yeah, throw out maybe a few outliers if you have a silly fall on something. You know, don't excuse your fall if you fall early. But at the same time, don't let any fall define you. And it's easy in Ninja to really get down on yourself if you're like, man, I can't believe I made that mistake. I should have gotten here and I didn't. Um, but that's a huge thing with Ninja that I've encouraged a lot of people like never in general as an athlete, never let your performance define who you are. Like every single person is valuable. Every single person, you know, is, a, you know, can be a positive impact on the people around them. So first off, don't don't let your self-esteem be so focused on your performance that you lose sight of just being a person and being a positive person. Um, so that's one thing I just, I know like people trying to lose weight or people trying to get better at a sport can get discouraged. And so just going back to that truth of, Hey, honestly, this is for the fun of it. And it really doesn't matter if I'm, you know, can do 10 more pull-ups than I, you know, could two months ago or whatever. Um, but at the same time, celebrating those small victories when you do make those, you know, improvements. Definitely. And I feel like that's something that uh, uh, not everybody focuses on is like the, the, the little victories. It's, you know, more important to be a, a, a good person than it is to, you know, be the greatest ninja in the world. Right. I mean, honestly, people would rather you be a not a very good ninja and be like this. Like, for example, we have. I, OK, this could come my wrong. Shannon at our gym. She's an awesome ninja, too. So I, I'm not at all taking away from that. But okay, what, what are you so, saying here? I know Shannon. I like Shannon. <laughs> I know, I know. Shannon's amazing. But people notice she, that she's an amazing ninja for sure. I mean, she gets comments from people all the time of how strong she is. She went from zero pull-ups to I think she's gotten like 26 now or something. So she literally started at zero pull-ups. Um, it's been incredible to see this. Um, but what's so cool is like people are so impressed by that, but they're more impressed by her encouraging spirit and like just a lot of people at our gym you know people just comment a lot like wow they're really encouraging 
And so I think that honestly is far more important. People would rather be around a ninja that's encouraging than a ninja that's really good, but not nice. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's true about anything. I think, I think most people would rather be around people that are nice. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, we also always want to get better too. (laughs) So there's that too. (laughs) Yeah. So the, the pursuit of being better is fine as long as you maintain who you are. I, I think, I think that's a good takeaway. Yeah. So, uh, let's let's dive into one last topic in the in in the terms of getting better. Um, yeah. What does your diet look like? What, uh, do do you eat specific foods? Uh, do you have like a certain pregame meal that you need before you uh, before you compete? Yeah, it's it's been interesting because I knew what worked for running, and I'm still like, because hey, as you know, Chris, I I don't. Oh, eat. I know. <laughs> I don't eat three hours before competing, but I've discovered um, one time on Team Ninja Warrior, now Ninja vs. Ninja, that actually hurt me because we were about to go, and then we got held, and we didn't go, and then we had lunch, which is an hour, and so like I didn't eat lunch, and then we had to get warmed up again to go again. So it ended up being like four and a half to five hours before we ran, and that was actually the only time I've ever missed a warped wall on a... Team Ninja Warrior, Ninja vs. Ninja. Well, that's episode. like a quarter of a day without eating. That's six hours is a big chunk of time. Like, yeah, I was I was a little lightheaded slightly and really, really, really hungry. <laughs> um, but I was so like I never break that rule because I've discovered in running, like I will have cramps if I eat within three hours of running. So I just don't do it. So, so after- but I. The warp wall experience. Have you tried experimenting eating yep. slightly closer to? You have. How did it go? So it go. There's certain foods I can do it with, and I've also discovered that ninja is just totally different than running. Um, running, you know, is like a 5K or like, you know, a long amount of time where your body's working hard. Whereas ninja, it's a minute or two or three minutes. Like I can handle a cramp for a minute if I got a cramp. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I've come about it differently now, where I will have whether it's a protein bar or something, generally I'll have more of like high sugar thing because I have discovered actually even with running, if it's a high sugar thing, I can eat it much sooner and closer to running and I'll be okay. Now, when you say high sugar, you, you mean like some type of like a cliff bar, power bar. You're not talking like a Snickers bar or something like that. Well, what's funny is I discovered oh. this. In- <laughs> no, no. I mean, this is what I do do a cliff bar usually. But I discovered this because of in high school, our eighth period, our last class of the day had a big party one time and they had all these really good looking cookies. And I was like, you know, we have a hard workout of practice, whatever. It's going to be horrible. I'm just going to have some cookies and deal with it later. (laughs) And then I had the cookies and then I was totally fine at practice. And I was shocked. Like, how is this possible? And so I've discovered, you know, my body just can handle sugar before competing much more easily than other things. Um, and so like things like a cliff bar do have a lot of sugar in them. And so I can, I can deal with those a lot better. Or if it's like a piece of fruit or something like that, not an apple. And I need six hours <laughs> from an apple to compete. The, the high sugar thing definitely sounds like good news for me having probably too much <laughs> sugar in my diet, but that though that's just like right. if you really need to not be lightheaded right before you compete true <laughs> so um 
It doesn't. It doesn't sound like you adhere to like a specific plan. Like I know I've seen a lot of ninjas doing like keto or paleo, or I know a couple that strictly eat vegan. Like, do you think it's ultimately just what works the most for you, or is there like one specific path to eating like a champion ninja? No, I think everyone's body is different. Um, I. I eat a lot of salads. Um, I just enjoy salads, but I put a lot on my salads. Um, and I eat a lot of eggs. I eat a lot of bread. Um, I eat a lot of bananas and apples, um, nuts, things like that. So in general, it's just like eat healthy. Like that's just the main, like (laughs) I was, I was, um, talking to a ninja who had cut a lot of weight before competition and I, and this is not you, Chris, um, and I was like, so, like, what'd you do to lose that much weight? And he's like, I just started eating healthy. <laughs> I was like, oh, yep, that generally helps. <laughs> Most people joke around that, you know, abs are made in the kitchen. So if you're eating well, it's going to show and, you know, you're going to reflect that in your body. So for me, if it's competition time, um, I might be slightly more strict, um, than non-competition time, but in general, I just like to eat healthy. Um, granted, if it's like a week after a long season of Ninja, I might splurge a bit and have a little bit more ice cream. And <laughs> you know. I, I think uh, all I'm the only, Ninjas might agree to that. <laughs> right? Guilty. But I'm only going to, yeah, right? But I'm only going to do that for a week or two, and then I'm going to go back to eating normal and healthy again. So I'll splurge, like I have no problem eating ice cream to celebrate, you know, a run or something, but I'm not going to eat junk all the time. I, I just don't want to feel like that. Good things in moderation. I, I like it. Yep. So we're, we're kind of coming close to the, to the end of the time here. Um, tell, tell the listeners, you know, a little bit about where, where they can find you, what you're doing, exciting stuff that they should look out for, you know, w- with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, I own Movement Lab Ohio, so you guys are always welcome to check that out. Columbus, Ohio is where we're located. Um, so our website is mlabohio.com. Always welcome to, you know, visit, say hi, whatever. You know, I am on Instagram as Michelle Warnke. Um, I will now, as the ninja season is wrapping up, I will be focused focusing more on obstacle course races so i'm going to be doing a lot more track workouts running workouts things like that um because coming up is going to be the u.s championships and the world championships in london i believe so i'm excited about that are you going to be going to london to compete that's my plan yeah with you (laughs) sounds like a lot of fun so what exactly are you going to be doing in london for the you know if you go yeah so I mean, in general, the competition is either a 5K or a 15K, and then just lots of obstacles. And I've I have placed fourth twice just off the podium, um, two out of the four years. Uh, but the competition gets steeper every year, and uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. There's some really fast girls. I can make up a little bit on the obstacles, but. I still like, I mean, some of the top girls out there, they can run. <laughs> so, so we joke around that like some of the girls will pass them on the obstacles and they pass in, us in the running and then back and forth and back and forth. So it just kind of depends on how hard are the obstacles and how much running is there. 
Nice. But, well, I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like uh, people have a lot to look forward to if they uh, they follow you on the on the socials. Yeah, yeah, it is. You guys should come. <laughs> you, you Possibly, really we, we definitely should. All right, Alex, let's uh, let's hope the podcast takes off, and then we'll go to London. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, do it. Or you guys could start running. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, 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 yeah, about that. Can, can I, can I, can I, we are at our time. <laughs> Actually, do you mind if I share a quick anecdote before we go? Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh so this is about 2014, I want to say. And at the time, you know, Movement Lab Ohio wasn't a thing. You were still doing the ninja program over at Vertical Adventures, which is predominantly a climbing gym. So I had caught wind, you know, I had watched, you know, both the show in America and the show in Japan for a long time. And I wanted to, you know, come give it a try. So I caught wind that there was a competition going on at Vertical Adventures. And I sent you a message. I'm like, hey, long shot, you know, I'm not a big ninja guy, but, you know, I, I'd still like to give it a shot. And... You and your infinite grace said, yeah, come on, you know, I'll give you a place to crash. You know, you can come get dinner with us. And so I meet you guys at a Skyline Chili. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, you know, it's all these ninjas. And you're just, hey, Alex, you know, so great that you made it. And and I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, what kind of contest did I win that I get to be here? And, you uh, know, you could have kicked me to the side. You know, I'm just some chubby 20 year old from pittsburgh that nobody knows and you showed me you know a lot of kindness a lot of grace you know all of the ninjas especially were really helpful on getting my training started and you know if it weren't for that first time i don't know if i'd be sitting here interviewing you four years later so you know i just i don't think i've ever gotten the chance to properly thank you for that oh thank you that's really cool that is really cool. I feel like it speaks to the uh, what the ninja community is like because yeah. I feel like we kind of met on uh, similar circumstances. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alex, I don't know if you knew, but Michelle just kind of hit me up out of the blue and was like, "Oh, you had an event? I missed the event, but can I come to your obstacles?" And I'm like, "Who is this weirdo that's hitting me up from the show?" I'm like, whatever, yeah, sure, come hang out and let's, you know, we'll do some obstacles. And it, it turned out she was a complete boss. She came in and destroyed all of the obstacles. I'm like, oh, she she's actually pretty talented. Whereas I got up about eight feet on the warped wall my first time, so. But but we still love you all the same, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. Well, and it's funny because I remember at the time, no one was making trips like that. And you, like... I, Chris, I feel like you literally thought I was out of my mind. Like, what in the world? Why would you drive I, nine hours? <laughs> I did think that you were a little bit crazy, and you may have shown up, like, past midnight the first night. I remember uh, waiting around being like, where is Michelle? <laughs> I think we got there around 10.30. Oh, 10.30. Well, I, it was late for me. It was past my bedtime. And <laughs> was late for us. We, well, we, got, we had a turnaround. We had missed one turn. They cost us an extra half hour, I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, but you it, were just very- great stories though. Yeah. And it was, you know, Michelle was amazing. She came in the next day and, you know, did a bunch of obstacles and it was awesome. Yeah. And that was fun. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and look at where everything is now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Who would ever thought, right? <laughs> it's it's <just laughs> unbelievable. The growth. 
Well, well, on that note, on that awesome, awesome little tidbit, let's uh, let's close out, Michelle. One last time, where can everybody find you? I don't know on like social stuff or socials, socials. Yeah, yeah. No, don't 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 give out any personal information. Just where, where can I find you on social media? <laughs> Everyone, my uh, my phone number. No. Um, yeah, social media. I'm Michelle Warnke on Facebook. Um, Michelle Warnke on Twitter. Michelle Warnke on Instagram. <laughs> how, how do you how do you spell Warnke? I feel like most people know how to spell Michelle. Michelle's two L's, right? And then uh, can I ask you guys if you know how to spell Warnke? I can because I'm staring at it. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> I've discovered like when I don't have my last name on things, it gets misspelled all the time. Well, so why, it, why don't you spell it and let them know how to find it? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, you are yeah, talking so, to somebody whose last name is Wolcheski, so. I know. Will Cizuski. That's how you spell that. <laughs> uh, that's not bad, but like I, my entire life, I don't even. I don't, when people ask my last name, I don't even say it anymore. I just start spelling it. I'm just like, there's no <laughs> point saying it. You're just gonna ask me to spell it anyway. Right. Um, yeah. So Warnke is W-A-R-N-K-Y, and a really good way to remember it is War in Kentucky. Well, cool. Thanks, Michelle. We appreciate you coming in, and hopefully, the uh, the listeners got some good insight in how to uh, you know be a top ninja, or just a little insight into your the way your mind works. Yeah, thank you so much, Michelle. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. That was Michelle Warnke, owner of Movement Lab Ohio. Such a great time, always talking to Michelle. Yeah, it was so cool hearing her insight on the different top athletes around the sport and talking about you know her training styles and how to get involved in the sport. I, I thought it was really helpful, especially for the beginner trying to get involved. Exactly. Yeah, it was really helpful to me as well, having competed at a rec league comp, having some uh, training details from her. And I liked how she took the diplomatic approach, you know, not picking exactly. a top woman. I totally respect that. I, th- I think it was very, very class act. She did uh, pick a top overall ninja in Drew Dreschel, and wouldn't you know, next week, Drew Dreschel's going to be on the podcast. I I personally am super excited to just talk to Drew about his uh, training style, because I feel like he has a very unique training style, and I think he might even get offended if we call it training. (laughs) He, He certainly does enjoy having fun on the obstacles, that's for sure. For sure. Well, I'm looking forward to it, so make sure you tune back next week to hear from Drew Dreschel. And if you want to hear all the news going on about the National Ninja League, hit us up on Facebook and Instagram. We're at National Ninja League, both places. Uh, Sign up to our mailing list. Head over to our website, nationalninja.com. Did I do a good job, boss? You did an amazing job. Go to all of those places. Listen to Alex. (laughs) He's got great insight. All right. So that's been Ninja Lab for this week. I've been Alex Cunningham. And I'm Chris Wachowski. See you next week. See you next time, guys.